What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Security Squawk Podcast. I am your co-host, Brian Horning, here with Randy Bryan, Reginald Andre, and Ryan O'Hara. Welcome to the podcast that educates you about all things cybersecurity and how it impacts your life and your business. What's up, guys? Another week. I feel like I've moved. I'm in a different quadrant than I normally am in this little going on here. It's because you came in third. I know. I'm always top left, and then you guys are always yeah. somewhere I think else. it's based on where you come in. So I'm normally at the bottom left or right, and you're normally at the top right, <laughs> and Brian's always at the top left. I, so. I was late. I didn't get my notification quickly this time. So, so uh, today we're going to talk about cyber insurance. Heading into 2023, what is cyber insurance? Why do we need it? Why do you need to do cybersecurity? and have cyber insurance. We're just gonna get into all things cyber insurance and educate people on what's gonna happen in 2023 around cyber insurance because cyber insurance is definitely not what it was even two or three years ago. And we'll, we'll go into all that today and educate you on cyber insurance. We're gonna run probably about a little under 30 minutes today. So not too long of a show, but really good episode for uh, any small business out there, any any business really, but mainly small businesses, because quite, quite frankly, that's what I'm running into is a lot of small businesses um, <clears throat> just don't understand this stuff, don't understand, you know, that their policy that they currently have probably doesn't have cyber protections in it or has very limited cyber protections in it. So we're going to talk about all that today. Before we do, Ryan, what's the fee? There is no fee. Our only fee is that you spread the word. Tell anybody that you know uh, who may own a business or be a decision maker in a business uh, to check out this show and learn a little bit about uh, what's really going on out there and, and ways to protect yourself. Because uh, as we're going to get pretty in detail about today, you know, you don't want to be in a situation where you have to wonder if you have cyber insurance, where you have to even make a claim on your cyber insurance. Uh, even if you have the best policy in the world, uh, this is not going to be a good day for you if uh, if your business gets hacked. So uh, yep. share the knowledge, share the word, uh, mm-hmm. like, subscribe, send people our way, um, and uh, help us spread the word on cybersecurity. Beautiful. Thank you, Rye. Uh, yep. Just help us spread the word, get it out there, do your thing, rate us, like us, and share us. So, all right, guys, cyber insurance, right? So <clears throat> we kind of have... Uh, you know, we deal with a lot of cyber insurance, right? As, as cyber insurance companies, we're dealing with both ends of it. We see it on the front end when companies are applying for it. We see it on the back end when companies actually need to use it. Um, and you know, this product has changed so dramatically in the last couple of years, I guess that's a good place to start. Um, you know, two, three years ago, when we talk about this all the time, cyber insurance applications might've been a page you know, uh, of information that they were asking. Um, and as, as time moves on, fast forward to 2023, as we head into it, cyber insurance applications have changed dramatically. I guess let's go around the horn here and start with Randy. What's the, what's the biggest thing that you've seen on a cyber insurance application or in the application process of getting cyber insurance uh, what's the biggest change you've seen in the last few years? That just that, just the um, the in, the in depth, just the detail where 
20, let's say beginning of 2020, applications had like, do you have antivirus? Do you have a firewall? Do you have patching? Have you ever been breached? Are you under a lawsuit? Like those five questions. Mm -hmm. Now, now we're seeing like, do you have multi-factor? Um, you have, you know, asking that, that in different areas. Do you have, I, I have one on, on my desktop that um, I can bring up in here in a second, but we're talking, I think it's five pages long. Um, just question after question after question, mostly dealing with security, um, also dealing with, have you ever been hacked before? So, yeah, I would say that's probably a shorter one these days too. Reg, uh, Andre, what do you, what do you, uh, what's your perspective on this? What do you see as, you know, major changes you've seen in that in, in cyber insurance application process? I've seen where they're actually asking what tools are you using. They're not just saying, do you have antivirus? But they're they're actually naming tools. They're you know they're putting Sentinel One. Um, Crowd, CrowdStrike, I believe, is another one. They're putting those names out there, asking if you do that. So, um, and if you don't, they're wanting to know which which tools are you using to protect the client. And, and almost more frightening is is some of them are are asking that to exclude you. So they're they're kind of taking out any tools or companies that have been breached recently, and uh, you know, making marking that against you, which. Um, I think is dangerous because we all know that anybody can get hit. So like to just immediately exclude a tool uh, because they had a recent attack, I think is, is uh, not can a you, good can you Can you speak more specifically? Like, what have you, what have you seen? Like, what I mean, like after, after uh, Kaseya's uh, um, PS or VSA breach, um, there was applications that were asking, do you use Kaseya? <laughs> Read between the lines. I mean, you know exactly why they're asking that. But at the same time, like to that point, I, I think you know, when, when you look at this, typically, you know, unless it's a small company, you know, these major players, when they get hit, they're probably the most secure out of anybody after that point, because now they've got all the scrutiny on them. You know, what happened? How do we get those holes plugged? Um, so, you know, it, it doesn't seem like a good plan. To yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if I'd agree with they're the most secure. It really depends on how they respond to it right um i do think Kaseya did a does a better job with security probably than they did before um but that doesn't mean everybody you know plays that game but if you start um, including everybody who's been hit you're going to run out of tools really fast agreed um so a couple other things i'm thinking about and I'll, I'll bounce it back to you ryan in a second here to get your input on that question but the other thing that you that you said ryan that i think about with cyber insurance is when a big attack or something goes down like Kaseya or a firewall has a problem. Um, we're also seeing insurance companies like when these right after these events are disclosed or announced, sending emails to their customers saying, do you use this particular, I mean, I've seen it with firewalls tons of times. Yeah. You use this particular firewall and have you patched it? And they want you to reply to that email saying, you know, <clears throat> or I, I've seen it even more so this year where they're like, we know you used this firewall. Mm -hmm. Have you patched it? Yeah. Um, and you have to reply like, yes, we have or, you know, attest to it or maybe even send in some evidence that you've updated it. Um, <clears throat> so what's one major change, Rye, you've... Uh, you've observed with these insurance applications? They're, they're really focusing a lot on the people aspect of things. So making sure that you're doing things that, that 
a lot of business owners just don't see a ton of value in or don't don't see the big big deal on uh, like security awareness training, like having documented policies uh, for their employees to follow. Um, and, you know, we, we know that that's typically going to be your biggest weak point. I mean, tools are one thing, you know, everybody's got their vulnerabilities in their tools. They can be implemented improperly, but you know, you, you have your, your human element and that's typically going to be the wrench in your works. Yep. hundred percent. I mean, biggest change, I'm going to kind of state the obvious, the biggest change, cause you guys covered so much with what's going on. And I think if you guys didn't say, you know, the fact that customers now have to put down what specific tools that they use, you know, for these things. Um, but the, just the overall general of going from one page to almost 11 pages. And I only think it's going to get more and worse um, to the point where it's probably going to end up getting to the point where insurance companies scan your network just like, you know, you'd have somebody come in and do an assessment on your business. Mm -hmm. These insurance companies are just going to scan your network and they're not going to rely on, which I think that's where they need to be anyway, but they're not going to rely on your responses. They're just going to go in and scan the network and see what you, so, what you really have. There's one provider, Brian, that has a basically mm -hmm. a quarter of a page application and then you give them your website and they do a security scan um, of your website, you know, and they tell you that you need a blah, blah, blah certificate or this or that. It's pretty much a joke. Um, and then based on your answers, they bring you back a cybersecurity risk review. They've not gone into your stuff. Um, they've only scanned your your literal website. Um, I think they maybe scan the dark web. I don't even know if they do that. I've brought that up to other insurance agents and what, what they feel like is going to happen is on the backside when you do have an attack, they're going to come back and use some of the clauses in their very, very long insurance policy. It's like 39 pages long. Um, they're going to use some of those clauses then to deny paying to you. So that old adage of if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Mm -hmm. and getting $5 million in cybersecurity insurance, you know, for $100 a month, off an application that takes you two and a half minutes to fill out probably has a downside to it. Mm -hmm. uh, how they're going to make their money. You know, um, if, if everyone's just running around all willy nilly doing whatever they want and you didn't make them do anything on the front end, they're going to find you negligent on the back end. So going into 2023, we, we were in a place before that cyber insurance companies at least the underwriters, we're having a really difficult time figuring out how to make money with this product, right? So a couple of things have happened in the last couple of years that have gotten them to the point where they're starting to turn this product around and making it more prof profitable. That starts with number one, a lot of the carriers just dropping out and not offering it anymore mm -hmm. and leaving it to just a few carriers, which allows them to then increase premiums um, so that <clears throat> combined with um, raising the bar for entry or qualif qualifying for a policy, meaning, you know, you can't get a cyber insurance policy without having MFA. MFA is basically a requirement. And the way that they write the language on these policies is that MFA 
needs to be everywhere in your environment. It's not like you can just put it on your Windows computer or on your M365 account and you have MFA. You basically have to have it anywhere that you have data being stored or processed. Um, so one of the things that we're going to see, according to this article from insurancebusinessmag.com, or Insurance Business Magazine, um, heading into 2023, we're going to be seeing more what's known as, in their industry, inside-out underwriting, which is just a new term that they're using that where they're going in and doing um, third-party scanning or using third-party scanning technologies to help detect security weaknesses, including vulnerabilities, um, and if these vulnerabilities are not addressed, this could impact an organization's coverage. Meaning, they scan your network just like any other third party would, right? They find these vulnerabilities and they'll say, hey, we'll write you this policy, but you have to take care of these vulnerabilities. And if you don't, we're not going to pay out. So which means if you decide to buy the policy and you're paying them a premium and then you decide not to do anything with the vulnerabilities that they identified, chance you're guaranteeing 100% chance, 1,000% chance that your premium is not going to be paid. So this is just another tool. Now, I want to get your guys' opinion because I have opinions on these companies using these tools. You know, yeah. <laughs> I, I, it'll be interesting to see how they they roll that out. I, I would suspect that they're probably going to have some, uh, you know, key partnerships with with other companies that are going to do this. But we we've seen this already before, and and those companies don't always know what they're doing either. Right. My my question to that though is, so they're looking at the vulnerabilities as, as of the time of underwriting, but are they continuously scanning? Because we all know that new vulnerabilities are discovered every day. Like, what about the vulnerabilities that? Are, are in their environment six months from now that they didn't know about at that time? Are they going to be continually scanning? Are they going to be doing these, this on a, on a semi-regular basis? Don't know. Not in that, I don't like the, the But you raised a good point. Yeah. Uh, I mean, basically the new FTC safeguard rules allow for that, basically for a yearly coming back around and doing a rescan mm -hmm. for vulnerabilities. I mean, and, you know, very simple late, late terms. Even that's going to be everywhere before we know it. Even even that's a question though. Like, ha, have they specified the details for what what qualifies for those those assessments on a yearly basis? Because um, we, we've seen not. some 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 of the tools that we've seen that that basically check boxes and and allow you to say that you're compliant. Um, you know, their idea of an assessment is sending out a questionnaire once a year that you the the end user fill out. So like. Is that really is that really what an assessment looks like? Not to me. Right. I, I had one customer uh, come to. I was trying to find that email while you guys were talking, but they are airtight. We have zero trust. We have ports blocked on the on the switches. Everything. Oh, like you that. better knock on wood after saying airtight. <laughs> there you go. But they came back and um, they said, "Hey, we evaluated your site and we found all these problems." And when I'm looking at the report, it was totally wrong. I, I was able to dispute everything that they basically said. Mm -hmm. And after that, they kind of like let it go and, and approve the client for the cyber. So I, I don't know how they're doing it, at least in this particular one. I was trying to find that email, but um, I've had that happen before. We, we actually also had, it wasn't necessarily in cyber insurance, but 
it was a bank checking uh, one of our financial clients and it was a bank and wanting to make sure that before they do this partnership with this um, with my client that they had everything you know also secure so they had a third-party company um, called coal fire but that was really you know re really professional they you know looked around and things like that and that was a good partnership but just putting sending the client a tool and saying hey run this and it's gonna you know give all this information to, to some server, I don't know how, how accurate. Well, a lot of the tools we've been seeing are just external scans as well. Mm -hmm. So it's not, the, it's not even inside the network. It's just looking at their their external IP address and seeing if there's any vulnerabilities or open ports, which is good information. But at the same time, you know, I don't know that the people who are running these really know how to read the data uh, or, you know, even have a conversation about it after the fact. So, so we have... Uh... The insurance industry basically saying that re ransom, the return of ransomware for 2023, right? So in 2022, we saw a shift. We talked about it a lot on this show um, where we're not seeing as much ransomware uh, in terms of the number of attacks. But when ransomware criminals do get into networks and they're successful, they're asking for a heck of a lot more money. Uh, than they ever have in the past, still making it a very large threat for 2023. But uh, it's interesting to me how the insurance industry, as, as I'm reading through some of this stuff, and the IT industry call different things, you know, something that's the same thing. They're calling it two very different things. And we talked about it um, a little bit earlier, they're calling it inside out underwriting and it's just a risk assessment, right? So now we're talking about social engineering fraud that they're calling it or social engineering attacks. Mm -hmm. I don't really consider business email compromise a social engineering attack, but you know, that's what non-technical people are probably going to, you know, name this stuff. Who knows? Um, but <clears throat> you know, we've t talked about it, business email compromise, you know, and, and social media compromise are bigger problems for businesses than, than ransomware. And that's what, you know, the insurance industry is expecting come 2023. So uh, fraudulent payments, social engineering fraud among small to medium sized enterprise made up more than 50% of claims between January and August of 2022. So half the claims that are out there are, you know, companies trying to be made whole because one of their employees' email accounts got compromised and they were able to, uh, you know, social engineer or basically trick somebody mm -hmm. into, you know, changing a bank account number and having money wired somewhere else. Um, cyber insurance will cover that, right? <clears throat> here's the here's the thing I think we need to talk about before we wrap up. Um, before we jump into you know, kind of the increasing cyber regulations. Talk a little bit about social engineering fraud. Plus, let's also educate people on that little rider that a lot of business owners like to talk about that their business owner's insurance or their liability insurance might have around uh, cyber breach um, and kind of educate people on the difference there and why they need a whole separate other cyber insurance policy um, versus that rider that they have. So 
any input on that kind of i think a lot of the the companies are getting rid of those riders altogether because they're you know they they don't really they're they're confusing they don't really make any money off of those anyway uh most of the policies i've examined it's it's a fifty thousand dollar limit and so the limit is very low Um, with sub limits included in it so like even then it's not right and and, and even then you're probably going to have a five thousand dollar deductible so Mm -hmm. really it's chump change to an insurance company if you file that claim because the most they're going to pay out is $45,000, right? And that's not full cyber coverage. That's mm-hmm. if, you know, you had one invoice come in, you know, for 10 grand that somehow got miswired somewhere else and you were out that money. Mm-hmm. That's what that coverage is for. That coverage is not full for like a full-blown cyber attack and what you'd be dealing with if you were dealing with, you know, a cyber criminal who was able to steal lots of money or steal certain amounts of money multiple times or ransomware. So, um, you know, that's a big thing. Like that's what I, I, a lot, I've talked to so many business owners and it's, it's scary to me how many people think they have cyber insurance covers when coverage, when all they have is that rider in their, in their business owners policy. So, and then we have, increasing cyber regulations that are coming down the pike right mm-hmm. and we talked about it with did we talk about the ftc safeguards on this channel much or we I did yep we had a whole show on it that's what i thought <laughs> uh, i couldn't remember um but you know that ftc safeguards everything else that we got coming down the pike but what do you guys what do you guys see in what do you what's your prediction for 2023 and what's going to be the most effective or the or the one regulation that's going to make people actually invest in cybersecurity this year i think it's going to be the accountability piece so like that that's one of the biggest things in the ftc safeguards that that i i see and that i like is that not only do you have to have somebody uh that is responsible for doing these things which in most cases for these small businesses is going to be a third party but they also mandate that you have an internal person who's responsible as well. So it's going to prevent people uh, from having their business and then basically pushing it off all onto their IT as a scapegoat. Um, They're responsible for any of those decisions that are being made. Um, And I think that's going to give them some accountability to where uh, they don't really have a choice anymore. They they need to step up these things and take them seriously because there's not going to be that opportunity to scapegoat somebody else and say, well, it wasn't my problem. I didn't know any better. They, They were doing that. And I think the the FTC safeguard rules are going to bleed out um, into other organizations. They're not specifically talking about because we all deal, every business deals with money in one way or another, almost, I mean, not every single one, but most businesses do. Um, Just like the original, I mentioned this on a previous, I think in Orlando, the original RICO Act was just for, you know, just for uh, mobsters, but it's being used for basically any criminals that talk before they do something um, can get the RICO Act pulled out against them. So I think that we'll probably see the FTC safeguard rules bleed out. Bottom bottom line is it's really time for everybody to get cyber secure. It's not like HIPAA where, you know, everybody just kind of looks the other way and ignores it. Um, we've got laws with teeth coming down the pike and we really need whatever that means and really need to get this uh, get these, these things going. Yeah, for me, I think 
the application itself is going to be its own regulator because no more one pagers and the owners are just check marking it and sending it and not passing it by by the IT department. Now the owner has to give this to someone that knows IT. And when they reply, no, 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 no. I think now finally the conversation is going to open is, okay, you're hitting no's. What is it now that I have to do so it can be yeses? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the message here for me is, is simple. Business owners going into 2023, this system is being set up against you to blame somebody else or have just one thing in place where you think that's good enough. And, and what I mean by that is, your cyber insurance, and I think Ryan, I think you said this more than anybody on this show, your cyber insurance is not your cybersecurity plan. Like it, 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 we are at the point in 2023 and going into 2023, it's only going to get worse where if you're not doing certain things around cybersecurity, your insurance policy isn't worth the paper it's written on. So that's the takeaway here is like, every single day between walls, regulations, how they're reconstructing the cyber insurance policies, all these things are, are making it so you will have to work with a professional who actually knows how to secure your business. You either need to have both, or if you want to roll the dice, you might as well not have either. Right. That's it. It's in, it's almost, that's, that's where it's at. Like we're literally moving into 2023 where businesses are going to be faced with, I have to buy cyber insurance and hire a cybersecurity company to work with my business or do nothing. Yeah. So that's it folks. See y'all next week. Share our show. Take care everyone. See ya.